When I was a lawyer, sometimes I would be contacted by a potential client for help in resolving a dispute involving money and family. For example, someone wanted to contest a will because they felt that they weren't given a proper share of their parents' estate. Or two brothers were in business together and one felt that he was shut out of some percentage of the profits that he was due. Or maybe some relatives jointly owned a piece of property and some weren't contributing their portion of the upkeep or the taxes. Or maybe someone loaned their sister-in-law some money and she was being slow to repay. And after explaining their predicament to me, many people would say something to the effect, it's not about the money, it's just about the principle of the matter. At which point I would politely decline to take the case. Because one of two things were true. Either they weren't being honest with themselves, or they weren't being honest with me. Because let's face it, it really is about the money. People who have trouble being honest with themselves or with their attorney don't make for good clients. As a priest, people often run similar sorts of problems by me. I think very often what they want is my blessing, that they aren't being greedy or uncharitable towards their family member in demanding whatever money or property is at stake. My answer to them is very simple. If you feel you have been wrongly deprived of something you are owed, you have every right to seek a remedy, even a legal remedy if it comes to that. Our faith teaches that a person has a right to seek a redress for a violation of the seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. That commandment is understood in the catechism to include anything that would unjustly deprive another person of their property, such as failing to return a borrowed item, not paying a debt, damaging another's goods, and so on and so forth. In the Gospel reading, Jesus is approached by the man who says to him, Tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Jesus rebukes him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? And then he says to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Now, it would be easy to assume that Jesus simply feels that the man is being greedy and wanting a share of the inheritance that his brother received. But I don't think that's exactly what Jesus meant. He isn't suggesting that the man not seek any remedy against his brother. Rather, he rejects the man's request to serve as a mediator for this conflict because it has nothing to do with Jesus' mission. Who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Jesus isn't there to settle property disputes between brothers. He's there to preach the kingdom of God. There are judges and arbitrators out there that the man could seek out to resolve this problem. Jesus is saying, in other words, don't try to wrap this monetary dispute in a blanket of false piety. Seek the money through the normal legal channels if that's what you think is fair. But don't try to co-opt my spiritual authority to gain an advantage in an ordinary earthly matter like this. Jesus is there to preach about eternal things. Money, possessions, and the like are temporal and therefore perishable. Now, of course, in one sense, Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the source of all justice, which includes the temporal. But that's not the way the man is looking at Jesus. He simply saw him as a rabbi or a teacher with great moral and spiritual authority, someone whose word in his favor would cow his brother into capitulating about the inheritance. 
It's not greed to demand what you rightly deserve. Greed consists in trying to obtain more than what you deserve. But as Aquinas teaches, it's also a species of greed or covetousness to try to obtain even what we might rightly deserve by inordinate means. And that can include a situation as here, where someone tries to claim what they might otherwise deserve by bending the authority of Jesus to their own purposes. It's a sin against the second commandment. You shall not take the name of your Lord in vain, meaning for our own petty aims. We see a variation of this, sadly, even in the church sometimes. There are people who have been inspired by the example of simplicity that Pope Francis has shown to the world. For example, in some of the choices that he's made in terms of his living quarters, or the way he travels in public, or in his Jesuit preference for simplicity in worship. And that's perfectly fine. But then some people try to use, quote-unquote, the example of Pope Francis as a weapon against others, as though because Pope Francis has chosen to live in the Vatican guest house rather than the papal apartments, that means that all bishops all over the world should sell off their residences and move into a tiny room in a rectory. Or because Pope Francis is driven around in an old fiat, all priests or bishops should somehow drive similar cars. If a person has a genuine concern that a prelate is living or conducting themselves in a way that is excessive, fine, make the argument. But like the man trying to co-opt Jesus' authority to get his brother to share the inheritance, don't just make odious comparisons between Pope Francis and others. Don't try to invoke Pope Francis' spiritual authority in a way to embarrass or pressure others to do what you think they should do. When it comes to the material goods of this world, our Christian faith teaches us neither to be indifferent nor obsessed, but rather properly ordered according to our state in life. A priest needs less than a layperson, especially one who supports a family. A religious needs even less than a priest. None should consider it greed to lay claim to what they properly deserve. But all should be wary of seeking more than they legitimately have a right to, and especially in giving false arguments to justify it, covering one's desire for material things with pious fictions in order to appear all the more saintly. We can't take possessions into the next life, so use them well and justly and charitably in this life, as is fitting to our vocation. But remember that we will leave possessions here. Jesus gives us the warning of the rich man with the bountiful harvest. Being rich is not bad per se. Jesus says one may be rich, so long as one also understands that one's life does not consist of possessions. Don't invest more time or spiritual capital in managing riches or acquiring them or, or recovering them than is strictly necessary. To do otherwise is vanity of vanities. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.